0: Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the director of local ministry development at 8:20 a.m. The Word. I enjoy sharing with you each week stories of God's faithfulness in our lives. There's a scripture in Psalm 37, verse 3, that I like to call my life verse, and that is, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Last week we had a guest on our program, Dawn Jones. Dawn is an international speaker, a certified coach, a corporate trainer, and she's got a wonderful story of God's favor in her life. And Dawn, I want to welcome you back to part two here on Heart of the City.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having me again, John.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we got to talking and you got to sharing, and the story was so good that I just wanted to continue to hear the rest of the story about your life. And to summarize briefly, you came from England, from London when you were five years old. Mm-hmm and um, went through some struggles as a teenager, some some pretty strong rebellion. And uh, then uh, you had an experience over at Green Lake where this, one of these, what we used to call Jesus freaks, (laughs) said to you that, what did he say to you?
1: You need Jesus in your heart. (laughs) You need
0: Jesus in your heart. And somehow that uh, stuck in your heart and your mind, didn't it? And you had a had an encounter with the Lord, but then struggled for the next few years Mm -hmm. as far as your relationships. And then uh, we were just ending last week, and we'll pick up the story there, where you were working in New York City, and what was happening?
1: Yeah, I was in New York, and I remember feeling very tired, and I was earning more money than any (laughs) 24-year-old really should be earning uh, for whatever reason. It It was very lucrative. Well, I remember feeling very empty inside even though I was earning a good wage. And uh, I stepped outside because I was hearing in my heart the words, to come home. And the picture that I had was of this vine and branches and this leaf starting to wither and die. And the words that went through my mind were, if you don't come home now, you're going to die on the vine. And I remember thinking, you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally, what does that mean? And then, and then, who am I talking to? Hmm. Is this my own voice? Is this you, God? And even though I was a Christian, I was living with one foot in the word and one foot in the world. I was living in compromise. I was in a relationship outside of marriage. I was justifying it. I was earning a lot of money. I was getting paid under the table. And one of the things, again, that, uh, you know, it was a cash industry. So, of course, I would account for it, guesstimate on taxes and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that go along with it. And I thought, you know what, Don? You're living in compromise. You're living in compromise. And, of course, all those words go through my head. Well, you don't need to be legalistic about things. And it's like, right. wait a minute. You either follow God's word or you don't. You know, what is it? And it's not about, like we talked earlier, being a rule keeper. It's, it's, I like how Scottish preacher Alistair Begg puts it. He says, you know, it's not that I'm afraid of what God's going to do to me because of my behavior. It's that I wanted to have a, some, such a love for God that I would be more concerned of what my behavior would do to Him. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to pray for in that 10-year span from 14 to 24 when I had this wake-up call to come home. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you leave everything? I mean I'm in a relationship. It's outside of marriage. I'm earning more money than I've ever earned. I'm living in a double-minded life. And you know what the Bible says about a double-minded person.
0: It's unstable in all their ways. Unstable
1: in all their yeah. ways. Yeah.
0: And you said during that time you were actually in an event where you're doing a, a display. You were doing mm-hmm. this this uh, uh, the
1: home show. That, the the know, home show. Yes.
0: Uh-huh. And then, what did you start hearing in your mind?
1: In my mind, I heard the words "come home, come home," and again, I had that picture of the vine and the branches uh-huh. and things starting to the branch starting to wither up and die. I did not know until 10 years later that that was a scripture from the Bible in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches, uh-huh. my father is the gardener.
0: Interesting. So you that wasn't a that wasn't a John 15 where you'd read that and and the Lord was reminding you. that was a a word image that he had given to you.
1: Now, here's the thing. God's word does not return void. So mm-hmm. whether somebody planted that seed in my heart, who knows, maybe it was uh, the mother that picked me and my girlfriends up when we were hitchhiking, when we were teenagers, and she started preaching to us. And I'm thinking, who's this crazy lady? Well, you Mm -hmm. know, God's word doesn't return void. So if you are that crazy lady in the audience listening to this, preach to your kids' friends because God's word doesn't return void. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know for 10 years that that seed had somehow been planted, and it got germinated and it got watered, and 10 years later...
0: So the Lord speaking to you, come home, and you said?
1: Um, how do I leave everything?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, how do I leave everything? And I remember thinking, well, you know, you just, you trust. You take one step at a time. And um, I was on a schedule. I had a top show schedule booked six months out, and I was a woman of my word in Keeping my word for my business commitments. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, well, the first thing I have to do is leave my boyfriend. Right. How do I do that? And um, I did. I just said I I need to end our relationship. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I had to call a girlfriend, one of my dearest girlfriends, still one of my best friends to this day, Laura. And I said, I need help. I, I don't know how to leave. She goes, you'll know what to say. The words will come. You can do this. Mm. And I said, okay. And within a few days, sure enough, I had that tough conversation. I said, I need to leave. And I remember him looking at me and saying, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Why are you dumping me? And I said, if I told you, you'd laugh. He goes, no, 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 come on, tell me. And then I told him the story that I just shared with you. Right. I heard God calling me home. And, and, uh, and he looked at me all kind of bright-eyed, like I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's going to become a Christian too. Yeah. This is the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, that's not what happened. He looked at me, and his bright eyes went sinister and says, Dawn, you're hearing voices in your head. They lock people up in Bellevue, which back in New York. New York, yeah. 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 They lock people up in Bellevue for hearing voices in your head. You're going crazy. And I remember feeling that trapped feeling in that instance. And I'm I'm praying, God, what do I say? What do I do? And I stopped, and I looked at him. I said, this right here, right here, right now, this is why I'm leaving. Uh. This is why I'm leaving. And I said, and if this is what it feels like to be crazy, I've never had so much peace in my life. Mm-hmm. I will go there.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. did you continue then the next six months in New York before I did. you left? I
1: finished my schedule and flew Laura out to help me finish up my run. Mm-hmm. We did New York, Boston, and that whole upper mm-hmm. East Coast. And uh, so uh, then I drove back and um, – you know, the the condensed version is I began to pray about anything, everything, where to live, where to work, where to eat, uh, who to possibly date, and I started to get to know God. You know, now as more mature believer, I know that God speak to us speaks to us through His Word, the yes. Bible. Yes. And I know there are a lot of beliefs out there that say I heard a voice from God and God told me to do this. And I, I always caution people on that because mm-hmm. if it doesn't line up with God's Word, the Bible. Remember, Satan comes as an angel of light, exactly. and he loves to whisper things in our ears that contradict God's Word. Yet they're so close to God's Word. I think about, you know. Th- the very original sin and, and Satan saying, did God really say that you couldn't eat from this tree? Mm-hmm. And, and Eve's, oh, no, we can't even touch it. We will, we will die. And it's like God didn't say you can't touch it. He said, don't eat. You can eat from any tree, just not this one. And she compromised Eve was deceived and it was just so close to the truth and I love how the Bible says she saw that it was good for food you know my paraphrase here but she rationalized it and justified it and I remember thinking you know how easy it is to do that to just rationalize and justify doing something that goes against God's word so if you know God thank God was speaking to me In the way that he knew I would listen, that was through prayer, and that was through his Holy Spirit guiding Mm -hmm. and directing my steps. Then guiding me into a Bible teaching church. In fact,
0: that was one thing I was going to ask you uh, last program when we were talking. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What was your relationship like with the body
1: of Christ? When I got baptized, I was actually in a Bible-believing church. Mm-hmm. I went to a, a, a church up on 155th and 15th Northeast and was baptized um, in Puget Sound in November up at
2: Fort Casey. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes you a believer right there. I <laughs> yeah, that
1: was an experience I won't forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I was plugged in again, though, when <sighs> it's so important— to fill our hearts and minds with God's word. Yeah. And at that time when I, I know we're backtracking a little bit to when I was I would think I was sixteen, seventeen, somewhere in there. And uh, sixteen. And I met a guy, of course. Right. right. And um again, just compromised. hmm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, you know when I like how people describe the Holy Spirit in your heart is like that a three pointed triangle. And when you are stepping away from fellowship with God, turning away from him, that triangle starts to turn in your heart, and you feel it, and it aches. And, you know, he's calling us back to him. And I would feel that, yet the feel of that feel-good relationship was stronger. And so I started to ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit to call me back to God. And, again, using the analogy of the three-pointed triangle, The points began to dull. So I quit listening to God's word. I quit hanging out with God's people, quit going to church, Mm -hmm. and started hanging out with this guy and his friends and developing new friends. And next thing you know, I'm I'm back doing the same things that I was doing before. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, why do I do the evil I don't want to do instead of doing the good I do want to do? Sure, And it's just... I think it's so important as Christians that we've got to stay plugged into the Word every day. Mm -hmm. You know, hang out with God like a best friend versus recognizing a celebrity on the cover of a magazine. You know, we might know somebody on the cover of a magazine, but we don't know them because we don't hang out with them. Right. So when we just look at God's Word, the Bible, sitting on our table, and we just look at the cover of it, it's like looking at a celebrity on a magazine. We don't know that person. But when we get in and we spend time in His Word and and read it and, and listen to God-fearing preachers on the radio who, who really preach expository preaching, teaching us what does God's Word mean, how do we abide in His Word and let His Word abide in us, that's when we're hanging out with our best friend. That's when we're experiencing that love. I mean, God is love. And if we are in with God, we are so in love that there's no other love in the world that fills that empty place like his love.
0: That's right. So you come back home yes. and you're, you're seeking God's face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What happens next?
1: I prayed about anything, everything, where to live, where to work, even who to possibly date. And I met my husband-to-be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And on our first date— Again, hearing this voice in my head, this is the man you're going to marry, and I thought, nah, he's not my type. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next thought that crossed my mind was, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, wow. (laughs) uh, Like
0: you've you've made a lot of good choices in the past, right? (laughs) Right,
1: right, yeah. Uh And so, two months or two weeks later, I told him what I was laughing at about dinner, and two months later, he proposed. The following year, we were married. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I would love to say, and I will say, we just celebrated our twenty fifth year anniversary. Congratulations! In February. Wow. And of being faithfully married. Wow. Now I say that because my struggle, my signature sin, was that promiscuity and huh. thinking that I could not live life without a man in my life to fill that empty place. Mm-hmm. And it took God coming into my heart and showing me that he had so much better for me that he would fill that empty place, that no man would be able to do that. And I love my husband. He is my best friend. Bear in mind, though, we went through hell and high water. Now, I want to say that hell is not a bad word, Mm -hmm. but it is a bad place. Mm -hmm. And we went through, you know, I, I had the husband who was struggling and living in compromise. And he had his signature sins. I had my signature sins. And um, there was a lot of heartache. And year 13 was a come to Jesus moment for him. Wow. And he was struggling with some health issues. And he thought he was going to die. (laughs) I I laugh because sometimes it's like God brings us to our knees Mm -hmm. before people listen. And our relationship was... You know, we have two strong-willed people who want to do things their way. And I remember just praying. You know, at that point, I, I said to him, "He, I didn't know what to say. I said, you know, you are stuck with me. You're stuck with me for life. And I, he, he said, something's changed about you. You're not trying to trick me into reading scriptures or putting little notes in my lunch anymore about scripture. What's changed? And I go... I've just changed the way I'm praying. And he goes, well, what are you praying now? And I said, I'm praying, God, change him or take him.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. he goes,
1: what? Take me? Like, like, uh, that's it? That's a wake-up moment
0: for a a guy. (laughs)
1: And I go... Yeah, I don't know what else to pray. I said I love you and I'm you're stuck with me for life and there are two women in the Bible. One the husband rises and calls her blessed. Mm-hmm. The other he rises and calls her we won't say. Yeah. <laughs> Yet he'd rather spend you know the, the what is it under a leaky rooftop than hang out with that woman. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my husband and I said, "You know, you're helping to form the woman that you're going to spend the rest of your life with." What woman do you want to live with for the rest of your life? And I, he came to me a few days later and he said, I've been thinking about your prayer. And I'm like, well, what one? Mm-hmm. I, I had forgotten. He right. said, so, you know, no, change him or take him. And I'm going to let God start to change me because I'm not ready to go yet. And God always seems to answer your prayers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, a
0: little bit of, of fear there, but that was good fear. Was <laughs> so you're in a ministry. You and your husband have now traveled in, in mm-hmm. different missionary journeys. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that.
1: Yes. Part of that journey about year 13, one of our friends, Greg Von Tobel from Prisoners for Christ Outreach Ministries, I had been involved with the ministry since, since the 90s, and prison had impacted our lives personally. I won't go into the details mm-hmm. on this show, but that was a huge part of, of our life and um, a huge part of me putting my trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I remember him inviting my husband to go to Africa. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I, chopped liver? Don't I get to go? Don't I get to be invited? <laughs> and, you know, I've been faithful to the ministry since 1993. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I felt kind of like Martha and Mary, and, and uh-huh. Jesus was saying, Hey, Mary's exactly where she needs to be. Martha, you know, just chill out for a bit there. <laughs> and he asked my husband to go to Africa, and that changed my husband's life. Hmm. He went into the jails and prisons and was able to find his place and his voice to speak to the downtrodden, the people who have been forgotten, lost, rejected, um, the people who have committed the most heinous crimes. And uh, he, having himself um, had some of similar experiences, mm-hmm. was able to speak from a point of brokenness and a point of consequence. Mm. Um And extend an amazing amount of grace to men that just need other men to show them Mm -hmm. how to be men. Mm -hmm. And um, he stepped into that role and uh, had the privilege of going to Africa 30 different times and thousands and thousands of men that he was able to share his testimony with and uh, um, lead to Christ through his brokenness.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems like that's those are the places where the where the Lord uses us best, isn't it? In the, in that brokenness, mm-hmm. you know, where where the enemy would want to bring shame in our lives, right. the Lord wants to redeem and bring glory to Himself through that brokenness. So often that happens in so many lives. So now, Don, you're a you're a a writer. You've written many books. You've worked with some pretty impressive people. Tell me a little (laughs) bit about that.
1: All right. So having spent five years in the music industry, I realized I was a better speaker than I was a singer. (laughs) 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 And um, I decided that I wanted to go into the corporate world. And about um, 2007, our offices flooded up in North Seattle, Linwood area, actually, and I remember saying to my husband, I really want to be a speaker. And now was the time, if I was going to do it, this would be the time to do it. So I fasted and prayed. The only time I've ever fasted and prayed in my life for more than three days. Right. And I did a 40-day fast. And I just really wanted to know where God was leading me. And I believed I was supposed to go into corporate America a specific company, a seminar company, to go teach leadership courses, project management, communications courses, uh, how to supervise people, and so on. So I went and I auditioned with a company, and uh, they rejected me, that specific company that I believed I had received in prayer. (laughs) And so I called the recruiter and I said, can I re-audition? And she said, yes, but faculty told me to make you no promises. Um, how's that for inviting? Right? Yeah. And uh, so I went back, we auditioned live, had to fly to Kansas City to do that. And in within 15 minutes, the recruiter called and said, the faculty was unanimous and they want to know how soon can you start? So I went and I joined that company. I represented them for eight years and had the privilege of becoming one of their top trainers. Mm-hmm. And in that process I had the privilege of as i mentioned in your other program speaking in for them and I spent quite a bit of time in australia and new zealand half my time was speaking over in australia and then half my time was in america and going in and i thought you have an audience here don you asked god if he would put you in front of people that you would use your voice to tell him tell them he was real So what I started doing was like our old friend Zig Ziglar used to do. I would bring God's word into every meeting. I would pray. I would pray for the audience. I would pray for the people before they came into the room. And I know there are a a lot of liberal teachers Mm -hmm. in that industry. And I thought, God, how can you help me? How can I speak your word in project management, in communication, in whatever it is? So I would start quoting. I'd say, you know, Eugene Peterson says, write it down in big letters so you can read it on the run, which is Eugene Peterson from The Message, which is the translation modern version of the Bible. Right. And so I started quoting scripture in my classes. And the Christians in there would come up and go, are you a Christian? Yes. (laughs) And the non Christians would go, This is insightful, amazing information. Why don't they teach this in business school? And I'd be thinking, Good question. Yeah. And so every time I'd do a seminar, sometimes I'd call my husband, go, Honey, that's it. They're going to cancel my contract. I brought Jesus into the room. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And they never did. And in fact, I got more requests. Crazy. Wow.
0: Yeah. wow. Yeah. And so you've, you, uh, you've given me one of your books, mm-hmm. Why Women Buy mm-hmm. and uh, How to Sell to the World's Largest Market. So yes. we've got about one minute left. So just uh, give me the 30-second the elevator speech on why you wrote this.
1: I wrote it because there is so much gender confusion right now. And whether it is science or God's word saying that they are male and female, there is so much evidence that we are wired differently. And so I thought, what better way to continue that truth than to teach people how to sell to us women differently? Mm -hmm. People will be more inclined to purchase the book because they're going to make a profit from it, of course. Yet they get to see somebody stand up and say, you know what? Men are men and women are women. And thank God for the people who have the courage to continue to stand and say, anything else is gender confusion.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, today on Heart of the City, we've been speaking with Dawn Jones. And if you want to reach out to Dawn and connect with her, you can go to her website, which is dawnjones.net. So it's Jones, dot N-E-T. And uh, Dawn, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us the last couple weeks here on Heart of the City.
1: Thanks again, Chuck, for having me. Well...
0: You can hear these uh, programs on a podcast. Simply just go to 820 AM The Word and uh, click on the local program link and you can hear a podcast of this and many other stories from Heart of the City. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word. Call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)